0: Future proof extra from News Talk. Now, epilepsy was once a terrifying condition that few understood. Today, though, we know a lot more about why seizures happen, but it's still a complicated area involving genetics and other acquired factors. New research is now looking at its connection with circadian rhythm disruption. Could one cause the other or vice versa? Well, Tammy Strickland is a researcher at the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland and winner of the FameLab Ireland competition. She joins me now to explain. Welcome to the programme, Tammy. Before we talk about your research, maybe you might start off by telling us a little bit about FameLab.
1: Sure. Um, so FameLab is, uh, or FameLab Ireland specifically, is a fantastic uh, science communication competition which encourages researchers from all over the country uh, to talk about their their kind of area of interest or just any scientific topic within three minutes. Um, so you're quite limited in trying to come, kind of convey a certain scientific idea within a short space of time and get everybody interested. And um, it's a competition that ran for for several years. Uh, in fact, I think this year was the final year um, and I, I was delighted to take part in it. And uh, there were several heats uh, and ultimately a final. And uh, I was delighted and very shocked to win it.
0: Uh, well, uh, you, you gave a great talk, which you can see on our Twitter page. Uh, the competition um the idea behind it, I suppose, is to get um, scientists and researchers and people working in STEM to talk about their work to promote science in society. And it's a fantastic initiative that was started by Cheltenham Science Festivals and British Council um, over the UK, and has spread uh, all throughout the world. And we have, at News Talk have been partners for for the nine years it's been going, and and we're really thrilled to to to, to be the uh, partner and, and and be there as we met all of these um, young researchers who were, were trying to talk about their work. You talked about um, epilepsy and circadian rhythms, and, and this really piqued my interest when I, I saw you speak about it for the first time, Tammy, because I didn't know there was anything um linked between circadian rhythm, the sort of sleep cycle that, that we have as as, as mammals, and epilepsy can you talk to me a little bit about your research
1: sure so my research um is looking into the overlap between circadian rhythm disruption um and the onset of acquired epilepsy so the 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 epilepsy that i study is called temporal lobe epilepsy which is one of the more common and more treatment resistant forms of epilepsy um and it's often caused by by various factors including like head injuries and things like that um it's kind of it's one that's been reported for for years and years so it's been going back throughout history since 400 BCE there's been reports of epilepsy or people experiencing seizures loss of consciousness things like that um and yet um we still don't really know why does a does a, a, a sort, sort of normal brain turn into one that can, can is predisposed to developing seizures um especially when there's no known underlying genetic background and one thing that's been noted in the literature in an anecdotal sort of way for years and years has um, in the medical literature for example or even just patients or or people who with epilepsy have noticed themselves that there's a certain patterning a, a temporal patterning to when they experience their seizures so they may only experience symptoms during the day or perhaps they experience seizures at night time or there there's a certain time element that just hasn't been explored and i suppose it's something that we um in the Reshka chrono epilepsy lab and or csi and we work in future neuro which is an sfi funded center and also the school of pharmacy um and biomolecular sciences what we're really interested in knowing and understanding at a deep level is what is it about kind of this timing system that goes awry um within pe- people with epilepsy and, and and what is the relationship between as i say the kind of circadian rhythm the 24-hour cycle and when seizures occur and is there a way to disrupt that and perhaps come up with a new sort of treatment um, for people with epilepsy
0: so so what is um an epileptic seizure what what is happening in the brain when when someone um has a seizure triggered
1: That's a great question. So I suppose a seizure is something that and this is good it's a good thing to point out in terms of nomenclature anybody can experience seizure about 10% of the world who don't have epilepsy is pretty much anybody 10 percent of the world population is going to experience a seizure at, at some point in their life um but a seizure essentially is a an uncontrolled unprovoked electrical event a disturbance within the brain and it can last um you know a couple of seconds to a couple of minutes it depends um but ultimately someone with epilepsy is someone who experiences Uh, more than one within a short period of time. So usually there's kind of a certain definition that you put around someone who has a seizure versus someone who has epilepsy. Um, And again, they're treated very differently. Um, Seizures can occur because of things like um, excessive um, kind of stress or you could have something to do with a fever. You have febrile seizures that often occur. Um, they can occur in response to some sort of um, head injury again. But epilepsy, as I say, is something, it's a little bit, it's, it's different to that. There's more of a, a higher frequency of seizures um, and requires a, a long-term kind of treatment.
0: You, you said um, temporal lobe epilepsy. And, and does that mean that has it, that part of the brain has anything to do with time? Uh, does that Are circadian rhythms linked to that?
1: In particular, to the temporal lobe, not necessarily. Now, the temporal lobe has lots of different things going on in it. Um, it has it contains certain emotional centers like the amygdala and the hippocampus, which is to do with memory formation. Those and, and again, time perception kind of plays in there as uh, when it comes to memory and, and recall. Certainly, there is a, there is a certain element of timing there. But our actual time perception, not really. The area of the brain that controls kind of time, or or certainly circadian rhythms in terms of bodily functions depending on the time of day including brain function is this area of the brain called the suprachiasmatic nucleus and that's fine it's found just behind the eyes and it's called a sort of master clock of the body um and what happens is that part of the brain will interpret light information um and that will signal to the rest of the brain um uh, and, and signal how to function depending on the time of day
0: right so um what is happening then um, in this relationship? What have you observed f- from the, the, the sort of sleep wake cycles of humans and epilepsy? What What is the focus of that research? And is there any hypothesis as to why these two are influencing each other?
1: so it's interesting so sleep wake cycling while it is sort of a, a it certainly has a circadian rhythm to it it's only one of many different sort of behaviors that it does have that circadian or, or even diurnal day night sort of um patterning so right. other other things other features of circadian rhythms are things like temperature control or the release of certain hormones and things like that and secretions and even your immune system this is something i brought up in my first fame lab talk your immune system works differently depending on the time of day which is important for vaccinations, things like that. Um, But back to epilepsy. Um, Every cell in your brain has a clock and listens to signals that are internal and external and knows kind of what time it is based on those cues. So essentially, circadian rhythms are... They're, they're not just kind of within one region of the brain. As I said, there's a cellular clock with their molecular clock, I should say, within every cell of the brain. So this this itself actually has a, a kind of a genetic component. So certain genes are expressed at certain times of the day and that directs cellular function at certain times of the day. And what we find is that, and what we're kind of investigating is how did those genes that define time of day, how do they behave in people with epilepsy? And we actually find that they're quite disrupted, which is very very, very interesting. And one thing that we actually are looking at at the moment in, in mice who have epilepsy, we're, we're, we want to know which cells have this clock that's abnormal, because there's different types of cells in the brain. So like I said, if every clock or every cell in your body has a clock, and every cell in your brain has a clock. We want to know in epilepsy which clocks maybe aren't working properly, and can we correct that? And what right. we're fi- yeah, and what we're finding is that um, if we can disrupt a clock in a particular cell type, we can actually rescue um, some function. So that's that's our kind of idea um, at the moment.
0: God, it's fascinating to, to think that um, every cell has this sort of clock, and and that it's sort of directed by the brain. So when we wake up in the morning. Um, Things are turned on because that's that's the time to turn things on to allow us to digest properly and um, uh, to wake up our muscles and all that sort of stuff. It's uh, it's really fascinating. Um, when you uh, you talk about the relationship between disrupted circadian rhythm and epilepsy, is, is there any idea or is there is there a hedged bet on which causes which?
1: It's very difficult. It's it's a it as I said, it's kind of like a chicken and egg situation. We're not sure if it's that somebody might have experienced a kind of uh, circadian rhythm disruption that induces epilepsy. What what we do know from the literature, from the from the medical and scientific literature, if you have an extended period of sleep deprivation, for example, so you're shifting your sort of phase, you kind of skipped a night you're more at risk of developing a seizure, even if you don't have epilepsy. That's one of the ways you can actually induce a seizure in someone who has epilepsy as well, if they're quite sleep deprived. So we nice. know that there is a certain relationship, as I say, with sleep-wake cycling, which has a circadian rhythm. So so certainly there is, there is a link there. I'm not sure if, it, we're also, we're not sure if that one precedes the other or if one leads to the other, because people with seizures, naturally, if they're having seizures during the nighttime, their sleep is disrupted because they're waking up afterwards if they become conscious following a seizure. It's a very difficult relationship to parse out. And that's something we're looking at really, really kind of closely in the lab, um, as to know kind of if we can turn off clocks before and after epilepsy um, occurs, maybe we can know a little bit more about that relationship.
0: Because it's so sporadic, the seizures, um, except in, in those who have extreme versions of, of this condition, which they have regular and, and incessant um, seizures, Because it's a, is, is it a difficult condition to study in humans because you're not quite sure when a, a seizure is going to happen? And presumably, ethically, you can't induce a seizure on someone, or, or does that happen?
1: Absolutely. So when it comes to human research, as I mentioned, we we work with mice. So we have a little bit more control over our our experiments um, because we we induce seizures to to understand things a little bit more closely. Um, When it comes to humans who become involved in some of the studies, certainly that future neuro, as I mentioned, um, who supports our research, When we when we are uh, given samples from patients, a lot of the patients would have had refractory epilepsy or perhaps even if they donate tissue to a study, for example, those patients would have been going undergoing elective surgery to try and control seizures that would be refractory to current treatments. Now, it is very, very difficult to study. And a lot of the time, if we do get patients involved, if they have refractory Um, epilepsy, it's easier to monitor, for example, with the EEG. But it it is, as you say, it's difficult to sort of know when to kind of say or intervene and say, oh, I know there's a seizure going to happen. So I'll just have a look at this now. It's quite, uh, it is is difficult to kind of have exactly what you want in a clinical study always, of course, because it is random.
0: We always talk about it in the news, but we have to just, uh, I suppose, Tammy, as we're talking about epilepsy, um, salute those um, epilepsy patients who volunteer for Um, neurological experiments and psychological experiments while they are getting surgery for their epilepsy because um, so many times on this show we talk about these findings were done um, while someone was um, undergoing epilepsy surgery because you have access to the brain and, and you can try things out. And I think, you know, uh, uh, fair dues and thank you so much to the epilepsy patients who have over the years volunteered um, their brains to be sort of guinea pigs, uh, <laughs> to, to be experimented on a way that um, that often just couldn't it couldn't happen w- without them. So
1: absolutely. Um, no, fair dues to them. To- totally agreed. Um, it, it is absolutely the most amazing thing when anybody, any hu- human donates their time, their tissue. It's its an unbelievable um, act of, of altruism to, to donate to studies, and um, particularly involving the brain. It's one of the hardest areas to access naturally. You can't just yeah. open up. It's ethically, it's very difficult to just say, oh, can I open up your brain, please, and have a look? Um, but you know what's interesting is what's coming down the pipeline and, and what has been developed a lot in the last number of years are human models that are developed from the likes of induced pluripotent stem cells. a Very cool area where you can take cells that aren't from the brain. So if somebody does have an epilepsy that has been uh, caused by a certain genetic variant and we want to understand their brains better, but maybe, again, we're not really ethically, we can't open them up and take part of their brain to understand their brain better. But what we can do is take stem cells from maybe their skin and uh, create models where we can essentially uh, take take the skin cell and turn it into a neuron. Very very cool. Sounds like magic. It, it's it's a technique that was developed by um, Yamanaka a bit, and I think 2011. It's it's an amazing. It, I'd, I'd encourage anybody who's interested to have a look. But essentially, it allows us to model human cells without ever having to touch a brain so you can develop a neuronal culture and check why does that person's mm. neurons behave like that um, and in a dish it's uh, there's so much potential for that in epilepsy and again there's there's another technology called organoids where we develop small small brains from those cells and again see how do those neurons act in a dish when they're performing a sort of a network and why does that network maybe have epileptic form activity um, very exciting uh, yeah. models ahead
0: um uh, finally uh tammy you won fame lab ireland last year and got to represent ireland in the the international competition sadly you didn't win but um tell me what was that experience like for your um career and and just uh your horizons
1: oh it was a fantastic opportunity i love talking as you can probably tell (laughs) I i specifically love talking about science to anyone who's willing to sit down with me i've had many many conversations about circadian rhythms from people uh, for, you know, people who are involved in many different career paths and we all, you know, I always find there's a great interest because everyone has a circadian rhythm, whether we like to admit it or not. Um, in the modern day, you know, we're working constantly. But anyway, it was it was a fantastic opportunity, FameLab, to meet lots of like minded individuals who loves talking about their science. Um, and additionally, it actually connected me um, over the Internet because it obviously was delivered online for the past couple of years. It connected me with two people on the internet who I I generally wouldn't have talked to, including an airline pilot who talked to me about his circadian rhythms and how they were disrupted, um over over the years of his his service, which was very interesting. Actually, inspired my fine my talk in the international competition. Um, because I I think we all take for granted in a way, uh, you know, people who work shift and how does that impact their health ultimately? Um, It's really, to me, not only from a kind of a a standpoint of getting to know new people and making, uh, you know, connections and that, it just made me think a lot differently about my science and about the impact um, on everyone including people with epilepsy but also people with other neurological conditions or just ordinary people who don't suffer from neurological implica- you know conditions there's implications for everyone
0: well tammy strickland the final fame lab ireland winner thank you very much for joining us tammy's uh, research is funded by um in part by cameron boys foundation and cure epilepsy um so important to recognize those people who make this sort of research happen tammy thanks very much for your time thank you She's such a lovely person, Tammy, um, and uh, very proud of her achievements at FameLab. Uh, it is a shame that this is the end of an era for us. We've been partners with FameLab for quite some time. I've hosted um, the finals every year and uh, it was a fantastic competition. I made some great friends. Huge thanks to the British Council who warmly welcomed me into their team uh, and to all of the participants who we met over the many years. It was such a fantastic ride. Um, if you want to know more about the programme and look back on nine years of FameLab, you can go to britishcouncilie forward slash FameLab. And you can see Tammy's talk for FameLab this year on our Twitter page. It's at #NewstalkScience.
1: Science.